Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Hello, everybody. It's great to have you here. And joining us today is my co-host, Jim Jansen. I'm Father Jeff Lorig. And uh, it's another EquipCast. We're really, really excited about this one. We have a couple guests with us. You can, of course, always tune in to this uh, podcast by going to our Equip blog. And that is at equip.archomaha.org. And uh, you can kind of continue the conversation. Uh, We're going to be posting this there. And there's all kinds of other great content at that website. And there's also a comment section. So if you uh, have some comments for us today or for our guests, that's a great way to communicate. And also, after this whole podcast today, we're going to have some awesome show notes uh, that our producer, Whitney Bradley, is going to be putting together for us. There, you're going to find all kinds of resources pertaining to all the things that we do. And also, you can influence uh, our thoughts by uh, commenting there as well. So, Jim, it's good to see you again. I was not with you the last couple of weeks. I was motorcycling across the Ozarks. But it's always good to be back in the office. It's always good to be with you. Thank you, Father. Have we talked about linking your, your GoPro videos on the uh, show notes for this? If Probably anybody not wants appropriate. To. Yeah, oh, okay. So <laughs> you, you want to. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody wants to, yeah, catch up on what was happening in Father's life the last week. Yeah, I got um, into well, moto vlogging. Uh, moto vlogging. Okay. Yeah, that's, my new hobby. Yeah, that's, that's not a thing. You know, when, you, when you have six children who have not yet gone through college, that's, that's not a thing that my lovely wife is interested in me taking up as a hobby. Unless you have yeah. a big insurance policy. Right. Well, yeah. And then she would encourage it. Uh, Okay. So we have uh, some guests today. Really excited to have with us Father Jeff Lowski. He is the pastor of St. Charles Borromeo out in Gretna and Ms. Jackie Schuler, the director of religious education for uh, St. Charles Borromeo. Um, Really excited to have these two with us. St. Charles has kind of a special charism as our newest parish for the archdiocese. And boy, true to that charism, they've been doing some really exciting things in the realm of religious education, and we're excited to have them with, with us today. Thanks for, thanks for being here, guys. Thanks a lot. It's good to be with you, Jim. Do people at the parish ever say, well, we've never done it that way before? Do you get that a lot, or is that something you don't have to deal with? <laughs> I don't think we get that a whole lot. We just, we just celebrated our 15th birthday, so we're still a teenager, but things are changing all the time. So yeah, we don't get a whole lot of that, and that, that is kind of refreshing. Yeah, next year you'll be able to drive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Is there like a, a parish equivalent of like your voice cracking and things like that? <laughs> I think this might be it. We're trying to figure out what to do new and what to do next and how to do it. Well, good. Well, uh, the reason why we, we have you on here is because uh, you're doing something new with religious education. And I'll just be honest with you. I've only heard little bits and pieces around the office here at the Chancery. And so I haven't really uh, dove into the details so just pretend like I'm maybe a parent or I'm another priest around town and like, tell me what you're doing with, with religious ed. Well, I guess I can kick it off and then I'll, I'll throw it to Jackie to fill in some of the, the details. But probably the last two years, we took a look at our religious ed program and it was probably standard what most people are used to, the traditional quote unquote CCD model or parish religious education model. And um, just a lot of frustrations, you know, trying to make that work, discipline issues, kids being tired, schedules not working, 
parents being unplugged, seeing kids for classes, but not on Sundays, just the whole gamut that I'm sure I've experienced it in every place that I've been a priest at. And uh, we just got to think, and I was really inspired by the Archbishop's vision, pastoral vision for the diocese of equipping disciples and, and encountering Jesus and, and being one church and living mercy. And we really got to talk in that this is where it needs to change. This is what needs to happen. So we began exploring family faith formation models. And of course, there are those that are out there. But when Jackie and I were talking about these programs, a lot of them just didn't fit our reality. Most of them are modeled on, let's bring the parents in and we're going to teach the parents and the kids are going to be in their grade level classrooms over there. And then we send them all home and expect the parents to teach the kids while they're away, while they're not here. And we just, you know, as we got to talking about that, uh, we just realized our parents are the ones who are not equipped to do that. And so we really want to shift the focus and teach the parents and the kids together. So what we do is we have uh, an intergenerational, if you will, model, where uh, rather than dividing kids into classes, we bring families together into small groups. And that's how they learn and teach the faith to one another. Are you Jackie, doing this? I don't know if you've got more to add to that or Jeff, Father Jeff. Well, I have all kinds of questions, of course. Yeah. I'm sure everybody's like, well, wait, 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 what are you, what are you talking about? You're bringing like interge- intergenerational, maybe Jackie can answer this. So, so you, are you doing this in the church or are you doing it at homes or who leads these things? I just, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can kind of clear up a little bit of that. So Father's right. We used to have all of the kids come together in their grade level little groups. It looked very much like a classroom. We would have a catechist and then the, you know, 15 kids in the group, they would look out of a book, they would go through the lessons, that kind of thing. And, I, and they I, just, I just weren't. I have visited there before uh, yes. a few years ago. And like you had kids, you had kids in the kitchen. Oh yes. Yes. You were yeah. like doing a classroom out of the <laughs> kitchen because you don't have a lot of space the there. Coveted area. That was, that was the place that had doors and walls. And um, <laughs> we don't have a school here. And so the way we set it up, in our gymnasium, we have these movable walls and we separate into little, I guess, classrooms. We hate to, we're trying to get away from that school terminology, but gathering spaces, I guess, would be the, the term we're going to use. But so, yes, now we've switched from that grade level where the, the teacher and the children and their desks and their books and that kind of thing to bringing the parents in. Father had mentioned that we, we do small family groups. So we have between four and six families in a group. It's just a faith sharing group. We try to keep it at 15 people or less. There is a mentor family. So somebody that's got children in the group, generally there's a few of them that don't have kids that just want to be part of the program and that's okay too. But we bring the parents in one time a month with their children, with all of their children. And they go through the lessons together because like Father mentioned, we just didn't feel like the parents were maybe equipped or confident enough that they were able to share those lessons. And then not only that, I had little kids and, you know, even with the best intentions, you have so many things pulling at you, so many different activities that saying, oh yeah, we're going to sit down and do this lesson. And then time gets away from you, something else happens. And it's like, oh, we'll get to it next month or we'll get to it next week, you know, and it just 
It just happens that it, it, mm -hmm. it doesn't happen. And we wanted those families to be able to build community and kind of build each other up. And so bringing them together and doing the lessons together and learning from each other seemed like it was going to be the best way to do this. Jackie, can you name some of those those frustrations you had? Father Loski kind of mentioned a few of them, but yeah, I'm sure you echo them. But uh, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm in the group of DREs here in Omaha, and I, I hear everybody echoing these things: behavior issues. You know, kids have been in school all day, and then to come and sit for another hour and listen to something that may or may not interest them—that was rough. Parents not having any idea what was going on in the classroom. Again, with my little kids, you know, they would ask them, "Oh, what'd you do in class?" nothing. Well, okay. <laughs> you know, that's super helpful. So they didn't have any idea what was going on. It was the tuck and roll method. They would stop, pull up to the church, drop the kids off, and then come back an hour later and pick them up. We had I, catechists, trying to find catechists to lead those classes was a nightmare. I mean, it was just like pulling teeth to do that because it was just you know, some struggle that they couldn't do it. And man, now that we've switched to this, the mentors are coming to me to say, hey, you know, I'll lead a small group. And so nice. they're here with their kids anyway, and it's something they can share. And yeah, basically those were just not seeing the parents at all, unless we had them specifically coming in for some, some idea, something that was going on. Those were some of the, the major struggles. Not Wait, seeing them I, in mass, that was another one, I guess. And yeah. Just, yeah. I have to jump in on something you said there, Jackie. You said, the typical right challenge is, you know, how do we get enough catechists? How do we get somebody who's willing to stand in front of a bunch of kids for an hour on, on Wednesday night and we bribe and cajole and it's counted as time off of purgatory if you do it, because it feels like purgatory sometimes if you do. You're saying you've had a reverse there where now not only are you, you're not having to like beg people, but people are coming to you Talk a little bit more about that. Like, what do you think that is? What's different that people not only experience it as a joyful service, but they're asking to, to serve in that way? Well, you know, the first year, just in the transition, because we weren't entirely sure how this was going to work, we set it up pretty much like that classroom. We had a catechist, if you will, that would lead those lessons for the rest of the families. That first year, I think I only had to find two or three people that, you know, just to ask them. And it wasn't like arm twisting and I didn't feel like it was asking them to give their last born child away or something. But the, but the second year, I think just because they were in those rooms already, they understood what that was about and it's not scary and it's just being another family in there. We did change things just a smidge. Instead of having the catechist lead that second year, we now have in each one of those family groups, each family takes a part of the lesson and leads it for the rest of the group. So, or I guess that's some of the families, some of them do all take October, you take November. But one of the stories I've told before, there were these two little boys that came running in one month and they said, Miss Jackie, Miss Jackie, we get to lead the lesson tonight. And so just to hear that and see that and, you know, what I, that's what we're here for is trying to teach people to be excited about sharing their faith. And here's these two little boys ecstatic about being able to do that for the rest of their group. Wow. And just for context, for those who, who might be wondering, can you give us an idea? Like what type of scope are we talking about? How many families? How many kids? Okay, last year we had 134 families at the end of the year. That was about 260 kids. I had 
29 family groups. So they met, we do some different sessions. We do them on different nights, different times and things like that. But that's, that's about the size of our program. Right. Yeah, and it's good. grades one through six, typically. The junior high and high school have their own uh, youth group that goes on Sunday nights. But these uh, family faith formations meet Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday nights. So it's split over three nights uh, a week. Okay. They meet once, one time a week, one but on three separate yeah. days. Right. Give them some options for yeah. what works best for yeah. their family. Wow. Exactly. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people listening that want to like, well, give me, give me the program, show me the book and, and how we implement it. But I, I tend to think those things don't work. That has to be, there's a formula for change. And you guys went through a drastic change here. Now you have the advantage of being somewhat of a new parish and not having to worry about it. This is the way we've always done it. So the first one we kind of covered was like discontent. You have to be sort of dissatisfied with the current state of things. But then how were you able to change like if you're hearing this from all the other religious ed directors mm-hmm. jackie uh but so why isn't everybody doing this so F- father Lowski, what like what that's our question <laughs> why, why why isn't everybody doing it? <laughs> but you the fears and the like tell me about the fears and like to change yeah. something like how did you do it the conviction point for me was in our conversations that jackie and i would have I would stand in her office doorway and we would just like, you know, you're thinking things through out loud and just talking back and forth, back and forth. And the conviction point for me was, I said, you know what this is? The, the traditional model of religious education is a codependent relationship. The parents bring their kids to the, the church, not all of them, I don't want to overgeneralize, but most. Many come and say, here, you give them catechesis. The parish says, we will give your children catechesis. And we both feel that we have, we've communicated the faith, passed on the faith, whatever. But, but neither one of us have actually affected this child, nine times out of 10. And, and we're in this relationship where we make the parents feel like they're doing their job and the parents make us feel like we're doing our job because we're passing this child back and forth but neither one of us are, are instilling faith because the model is broken. And in any other situation, that's called codependency, that we are codependent. We're feeling good about what we're doing and we're doing nothing. Yeah. And, really and that, that, that hit us, that's, that is unhealthy. And mm. it is ultimately spiritually hurting people. And we in the parish uh, leadership are terribly dissatisfied and the joy is sucked out of it and it's just like this is this cannot be what the lord intends and so that was like we have to do something different because this is clearly by all standards not good why bring the parents in father loski why not just get a better program for the kids why why are the parents so important the parents are so important because the analogy that i tell the parents at their parent meeting is parents None of you in this room learned how to drive a car by picking up the manual, reading it, and then going. You learned how to drive the car by sitting in a passenger seat for 15 years as an expert showed you. You got to feel what that environment was like. And then you got to, to do it with someone next to you. And then you finally got to take it out on your own. The life of faith is the same thing. These kids are not going to learn their faith by reading a book. It's not going to happen. It doesn't happen. They learn the faith by living it. 
And the only way they're going to live it is if you are living it. So we really are going to invest our time in helping you be a holy family so that your kid will, will have some faith. And I think, you know, I was inspired by something Father James Mallon wrote and, and even talked to us about when he presented here in the Archdiocese, that even Christ himself taught the adults and blessed the children. Why are we teaching the children and blessing the adults? That's not what the Lord seems to have intended. And that was one of our struggles, too. We have a, a number of our families, and I don't want to say everybody, but a number of them just didn't know how to live out their faith at home. If they mm -hmm. haven't had that encounter and they didn't grow up in a house that this was a natural thing, they just, they weren't sure how to do this. And so unless you have a way, some example to model, then how are you going to do that? So that's when we ended up putting those mentor families, those families that are a little bit stronger and solid in their faith and do these things at home. We put them in charge of this small family group so they could kind of help guide them and mentor them into uh, what a faith life at home looks like. Each one of our families has set up a prayer station in their homes. And so at the end of the evening, we'll send home some object, like we learned about baptism. And then we sent home a little jar of holy water that they can take home and put on that prayer station so that it kind of ties church and home together a little more. So just having them in that small group and having that support there. One family would mention that they do something in their home and then somebody else is like, oh, gee, that's, that's not hard. I can do that. And so they start incorporating that into their lives and just building those friendships. It just has been such an amazing ride. You know, I can't help as I listen to you talk that you really brought a lot of the teaching of the church I'm thinking about John Paul II in Catechesis in Our Times and other things. You really kind of brought those things to life where oftentimes the, the, the discussion in those documents may seem a little academic or remote. And boy, it seems like a really nice platitude to say parents are the primary educators, but it's very difficult for us in the models we have to actually put parents in that place because they're not prepared to, to be the primary educators. And, and it seems like what you've done is you've been able to, to, to take that seriously, to say, no, 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 this is your job. And we are going to put you in the place as primary educators, but you're not going to have to do it alone. Well, our job as the parish is we're going to come alongside you and we're going to provide mentor families and we're going to help you do what really only you can do. Um, and that, that's beautiful because sometimes the, it's like, wow, that's like, who knew? The, the church was right. It's just, <laughs> it's just... It's, it's hard for us sometimes in, in the realities we live in to figure out how to bring those things to life. So this is a, a leadership podcast. Essentially, Equip is always about, about leadership. Equipping others is about leading others. It's not just about teaching others. It's leading, taking one person from one spot uh, to another or an organization from one place to another. And so again, I want to get into the details. I know people are like, well, what do you guys do on, on these nights? What, what does it look like? I want to get into that. And so it is coming. But I just, I do want to talk about the fear of change. Mm -hmm. uh, did you guys have any fears about losing people? I did. <laughs> I think that was my, I don't know how many times father had to talk me off the ledge. I was just very, very focused on the, but we're going to lose the kids, but we're going to lose the kids. And well, father can cut how he walked me off of that. Yeah, that yeah. You know, 
that is, uh, it's kind of my personality type. My personality type is to walk into a situation, see what needs to be fixed and fix it. And that's, that's something that, you know, and for me, I'm just a very rational individual that it's like, well, clearly if this isn't working and it's codependency and it's not good and it's not what Jesus wanted, then we just have to do this no matter what. But the fear that I had was the fear of the pushback. And I think that's what a lot of priests and DREs really fear. It's the confrontation that if we do this, then people are going to come at us. They're going to hate on us. They're going to challenge and yell and kick and scream and why this? And the big number one question that a number of people ask, well, is everybody doing this? Is, is this what the archbishop wants? And I would say, yes, this is what the archbishop wants and everybody should be doing it. And, <laughs> and, and that was, you know, so it was uh, the fear, I think, was that. So we, Jackie and I developed a strategy early on, even before we, we made this move of, of pre-teaching it, like, okay, folks, this is kind of what's in the archbishop's mind. Here's the vision for the archdiocese. We're supposed to be reevaluating what we're doing and how we're doing it. We're starting with faith formation. So the last session that we have this year of our traditional program, we're going to take a look at possibly what it could look like next year. And, you know, we ran a mock a session or version of this, a test run to give people a clue. We made some training videos. We uh, had parent meetings and to kind of get people to, to get over that fear. So that was one of my big fears. Well, I knew people would walk away and that hurts. It always hurts when people walk away, but we kind of did our homework. And when we looked at the people who walked away and who left and we triangulated that, uh, many, many, the majority, they also weren't coming to Sunday mass. I rarely would see them at Sunday mass. I rarely would see them at festivals or parish gatherings or practicing any form of stewardship, time, talent, or treasure. And so these were people we never had. So in my mind, it was like my fear is losing something I didn't have. And, and so we really need to focus on how to make this really good for the people that we do have and how to make it attractive for those who want more. Father, that is so profound. You're, you, we were afraid of losing people we didn't really have in the first place. I mean, I think that's, that's probably very common when you're talking about any change. I'm wondering, like, just again, give people a context. How many families did you see walk away? And where are the overall numbers? Because it seems like there's a momentum and an enthusiasm now in your, what, third year, two and a half? This, yeah, we just finished our second year, yeah. So yeah, just talk about what did you see practically? Not that that's going to be formulaic for other people who are considering change, but concretely, did you have like two families leave noisy or did you have 50 families leave? Just give us some idea of what it actually looked like. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of hard because we changed everything at once to find exactly how many left. I would say somewhere between 20 and 30%. The reason I say that is because we pulled, because we have the size of our program from first through eighth, and then seventh and eighth went on to youth groups. So those, we automatically lost those families. And right. then, so I don't know exactly how many first graders we would have had versus how many first graders. Anyway, so that's our best guess. 
as far as leaving noisy, when we did do the pilot session, how we set it up was bring the parents all in together. Here's what's going to happen. We're just trying this out. We're going to just test it. So then they went into their areas. They did a little mock session for a half an hour. Then they came back together for the question and answer session. And I, this, I was just panicking over these sessions because I thought the first person, if they start, you know, with something negative, it's just going to snowball. So we had four sessions that we did this. There was only one <laughs> where I had any parents have any negative thoughts and it was, I'm not going to have time for this or how come I have to do this? I've already been through classes <laughs> or things like that. And it wasn't terrible. I really thought I was going to be ducking from tomatoes and things like that, but it didn't happen that way. I did get a number of emails from people leaving saying, we don't understand why you're doing this. This isn't for us. And so we're going to move parishes. And each one of those emails that came in just, it just would tear up my heart. But then it's just, yeah, father would be back in. We didn't have them anyway. We didn't have them anyway. So yeah, it, that helped. And and really, I think that is such an important thing that if, if parishes are going to do this, the DRE and the pastor have got to be on the same page. You just have to have that support behind you, or I don't know how this would work. I really don't. And Jim, if I could follow up on that too, then, you know, later on, uh, I've been to, to neighboring parishes helping out with penance services for religious ed nights it is the most dreadful thing that I have to do in my life. That was the word that was floating around in my head. I'm a dreadful, it's dreadful, it's dreadful. And then he says it, it's dreadful. Yeah. It is, because everyone is ill-equipped and there's all sorts of behavior issues. And none of these people, you know, so many of these people aren't, the whole nine yards. But, you know, I I go up to, to go in there and there's the line of cars, parents sitting in their cars, idling to pick their kids up. And it's like, we just left that model. And when I walk back into a parish where that is happening, it's like, oh my gosh, this is still going on. This is horrible. And the kids hate being there. The parents, they're putting up with this. It's, I, it, it just blows my mind. And it always confirms what we're doing when I go into these other places, even for a moment, and, and see that. It's like, wow, wow. This is night and day when you see it side by side. And Jackie, I think you bring something up really good too, just that without the the pastor and the DRE being on the same page, it's just not going to work. And I, there are a lot of DREs listening right now. Uh, and they're thinking, oh my gosh, I wish we could do this. I wish we could do it differently. And they don't feel connected to their, their pastor. And so I, it's sort of, a, this is a shout out to the pastor. Like, I know we can't do everything. You know, we can't do alpha. We can't do, we can't reform our school. We can't do all this. We have to pick one thing. Uh, and, and say, let's, we're going to do, but it has, the pastor really has to be involved um, because I just think a lot of DREs feel very alone as they go through this. So uh, not that you need any more accolades, uh, Father Lowski, but praise on you, love on you a little bit. And just say like, thank you for like partnering and being uh, really modeling what effective shared leadership looks like. And again, yeah. there's other things you probably need to work on. Um, but right now you like, you got that going and now, you know, maybe it's, at some point you can, take on another task, but, um, well, Father Lorg, I, I just think that is, you know, I, I, I know that too, because I've been in those conversations with the DREs and with, uh, in, in the RELCO groups and things like that. And I know that's out there. And I, so, I so desperately want other pastors to know that this is possible, that it, it is, it, it doesn't hurt that much. And then if they really want to steer that it can happen. And, and that if we can, 
if we can create a path where you don't have to reinvent everything, I want to share that. And I want guys to ask me, how did you do that? I'll go to your parish. I will meet with you if you want me to sit down with you and your DRE or if there's anything we can offer. Because I am so convinced in everything I've done in my 20 years as being a priest, this is one of the things I'm most proud of because this is the one I have seen fruit just come out of. And, and I couldn't have done it without Jackie. And it happened so fast, too. I expected it to take a while to be able to see those fruits. But it's just, I mean, almost immediately, just hearing and the evidence, seeing people be excited. Like I said, those little boys that ran up and were mm -hmm. thrilled to share their faith with the rest of the group. Or just hearing those parent testimonies last year, because we had envisioned putting those out on the website. And so I just kind of put out a call for anybody that would be interested in sharing their experience to let me know <laughs> I had dozens of people call me, you know, just to say, hey, I'll do that. I'll come in and witness about this. And so it just, I know it's working. When you hear after class, parents are saying, I've been Catholic my whole life and I didn't know that. Or I went to Catholic school and I never heard this stuff before. And so to be able to have them pick up on their faith and, and grow in that, you know, I think we have so many adults that are running around with an eighth grade Catholic education that, you know, this is so helpful. And then it's not even just that, but it's just those kids being able to see their parents come into class and then they realize your learning doesn't stop. It keeps going. And so I think that's been such a value just in the couple of years we've been doing it. Well, that, that is so, <clears throat> so encouraging because I think Maybe one of the secret fears is people imagine, gosh, I'm going to go through this effort and I'm going to get a lot of criticism and it's going to take a long time and I won't see fruit for years. And you're saying, actually, there was low hanging fruit. We got it right away. Can, can you just share? We're going to link to those because I know you have those video testimonies, but can you just share maybe one or two stories of some of the transformation in families and in lives be, because of this? Sure, sure. Well, I know one of them wrote Father Jeff a letter. Um, we did some cards for the priest during one of our lessons. So we had a, a dad who was a mentor. Oh, and that's been something else I guess I should side note mention is when we were running the traditional model of religious formation, I would say probably 85% of our catechists were women, grandmas, moms, whatever. Um, there were four or five that were guys. <laughs> And now the facilitators the first year, I think a third of them were men and they wow. came to me. That wasn't something that I went out and, you know, asked them about. They all came to me, but this one facilitator. So we have our once a month come in and learn the lessons. And then one other time a month, that family group gets together to do a supplemental activity, whether it's a service project, a nature walk, something like that. So the actual second activity that month was praying Lectio Divina. So getting your, your family together to learn how to do that and just to experience it. And so they could get together wherever they wanted. Some people met in the church. He decided to get his group together in his home. And so his younger daughter was there at the time because she, would, she was like four. And so they went through Lectio Divina with the group and she participated because she was in the house. And then he said that that night before bed, he always asked her to go get a story of, uh, to read. 
And so she brought him back the children's Bible. And he said, now this is really weird. And he said, I'm almost ashamed to admit this, but we had never opened this book before. <laughs> but she wanted to be like the big kids. And so she wanted to hear those stories. You know, things like that. It's just been oh, just such a, such a neat thing. We've had in some of those testimony videos, you'll hear there was a, a mom that she said, you know, we were hit and miss on Sunday mass. It was just, you know, we got there when we could, whatever. And now because they're involved in this, they're here every week, they're getting involved in other things because it's just this natural, this is what, this is what we're supposed to be doing. So it's, there's been a lot of, I, I could go on and on about these things. I don't know, Father, if you've heard any yeah, I, the, the, we did uh, at the end of the year, we had the parent meeting and we just asked for people to stand up and give their, you know, share the graces. And I was kind of, I snuck in the back and I was standing along the back wall. And just to see these parents, it's like, oh, I thought I wasn't going to be able to do this. We don't have enough time. We're so busy, this, that, and the other thing. But I've never, we've never had faith conversations before. My kids uh, are involved. We do, we pray at home. We go, you know, just to hear, I mean, I was literally standing in the back of the room in tears because that was when it really dawned on me that it's like, yeah, this, I'm convinced, even if the numbers are teeny tiny, they are so good that we cannot let that go. And the numbers aren't teeny tiny, but what I'm saying is if they were, it's still so good that I would be happy with a teeny tiny program that will grow than a burgeoning program that is dying. Well, they were just so hungry for that. I think they just didn't have anybody that, were, that was going to walk along with them. They didn't know what to ask, how to ask for that. Mm -hmm. And we weren't sure what to give them. So yeah, I think it's just amazing. Like I said, we have them set up a little prayer center in their homes and them using that, they send pictures to me on Facebook that I post out there that are of their prayer station at home or when their small family groups get together, they do a service projects. So they might be making lunches for the Ronald McDonald house or something. And the kids, they just love that service aspect of it so yeah it's it's been so good just getting the entire family it feels like the families are stronger than they were before so yeah, I just it I'm excited about the program because I do see it working let me affirm uh, so beautiful but, yeah it is it's it is beautiful the fruits are awesome and there's I, there's probably more than we could probably cover in our uh, podcast today so Whitney's gonna link to a, a lot of those videos and testimonies that you guys have on your your YouTube page I, I do want to affirm that the Archbishop is very much on board with this Jim and I were at a meeting with him yesterday and we said oh we're gonna interview Jackie and and the father Lowski from st. Charles Romero and we really like what they're doing for their religious ed and the Archbishop said I do too uh, so he's aware of it. He knows what's going on and he fully endorses it. So if, if other pastors need to hear that, this is what the the vision that we have, One Church Encountering Jesus, Equipping Disciples, Living Mercy, this vision that we have, this is where it's it's coming to life. It's putting on some skin here in a parish. So it's just beautiful. For me, it's the, the fruit of seeing of a parish take the vision and bring it to life in yeah. the day to day. That's If that's you need really permission to go me. change people's lives, granted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, full license to do that. So let, let's talk about what a typical night looks like. Okay. 
so basically what they do is the families come together in their small groups. They go to their little gathering space. We do take attendance for those things just to kind of keep on track of who's participating and that kind of thing. And then if they aren't able to be there for some reason, I can email the lesson home because they can do it at home. So they come together. We have an opening prayer that they do in just in their small group. They then do a we share our God moments. And this has been, this has evolved over time. At the very beginning, it was a little awkward because we had a whole lot of adults who had never talked about their faith before and never sat down to think, hey, how's God active in my life? You know, they just, so the first conversations that came up, it was a, oh yeah, I saw God in the rainbow or, or it was a nice day or, you know, those, those little things that our vacation Bible school kids come with <laughs> and that was okay. But by halfway through the year, they started to get a little more profound. Like I had one of the mentors come up to me and say, you know, one of the dads was sharing his God moment and his son was just looking up at him like, wow, God talks to you. And so just to hear that and see that happen, those things, that, that just warms my heart. I'm just like, this is what we're here for. This is what we're trying to do. But they share their God moments and then they kind of popcorn back and forth. Each family leads part of the lesson. They can decide how to do that on their own. You know, some people are just a little more gifted with crafts and some people are a little more pulled uh, you know, their hearts led by scripture. And so that's their forte. So they break up those lessons, however it works for their small group. And then they go through all of that. There's a saint of the month that they talk about with our with the pro curriculum we're using. And then at the very end of the night, we come back together, everybody together into the worship space, and we have a common closing prayer together. That's led by either Father Jeff or one of the deacons. And like I said, we give them some object that they go home and they take home to their prayer station and then they continue to pray their nightly prayers or any time that they gather around their prayer station and then we have them like I said get together for a second night sometime during the month and that time is just based on what works for their family group one time they went for a nature walk to talk about the things that God created and so they could decide okay on Saturday afternoon we're meeting at this park or whatever and so then it gives them a chance to develop those bonds with each other and then still focus on whatever topic that we were just talking about in the session. And so then I, just, I guess I should have said before all of this, Father Lewski does a theology night. I guess I'll let him talk a little bit about that. That's a little more to kind of help out the adults. Let's, let's, uh, I want to get the details here because I'm going to be a pastor of two parishes here in less than a week. And I know that we do family faith formation in one place and there's 20 kids and the other place has 40 kids. It's, uh, anyway, I just like, oh, is this it's going to be possible for us? So I want to talk about scale a little bit before we get into scale. Can it get smaller? Can it get bigger? But I want to make sure I understand what does this night look like? I, I think I understand sort of the pieces. So it's adults and kids all together, about 15 at the most in a room or in a gathering mm -hmm. space. And, and mostly it's, it's everybody talking but there's usually one family that's kind of leading it for the night. Is that pretty much it? Sure. Yep. Yep. Pretty much it. So we kind of dissected our lessons a little bit from the curriculum. I got a group of school teachers together to come up with activities and things related to that. So it's not quite so heavy on discussion and read, but yeah, that's pretty much the, the look of it. And we meet once, we meet once a month. Okay. It's once a month for 90 minutes. So it's mm -hmm. an hour and a half session because an hour, it, it just mm -hmm. flies by too quickly. A uh, 90 minute session once a month. And the curriculum we took apart and put back together. 
So we started with something from Sophia Institute Press and basically dissected it and put it back together and said, this is how we're going to use it. Because as you said before, programs don't fit every place in real life. Okay, so you've recreated the curriculum on your own. And that was important for you guys to take ownership of that and not just hand people books and say, here you go. So, great. And I love that detail. You drew in, sounds like some professional teachers to help bring that curriculum to life in terms of activities that fit the particular lessons and fit the ability of the families to facilitate. Exactly, yeah. So yeah. the theology night, let's talk about that. So then oh, yeah. we figured what we, that if our adults are going to be leading this, they themselves might need a little more adult level formation. And so once a month uh, on the Saturday, after the Saturday vigil mass, the week prior to religious formation or family faith formation, we have a potluck dinner Uh, pre-COVID, we had uh, a potluck dinner in our gym. And uh, so people would bring their food and then after mass, file into there. And then I would give a presentation on whatever the topic was that the family faith formation kids would be learning that in the coming weeks. So, but at an adult level. So Mm -hmm. here's the theology. And then question answers. And we upload those to YouTube. So if you can't come to the the night that you can listen to it or watch it on your own, just to kind of like, okay, I'm supposed to teach baptism this week in our family faith. I don't know about baptism. Here it is at an adult level. Great. Well, let's talk about scale. So you have been part of uh, a lot of different parishes, a lot of different experiences. I I don't know your history, Jackie, but I know Father Lowski is at a large rural parish with a big popular school at Cedar Catholic. Can you imagine this working there? You know, Jackie and I have talked about this as we get get contacted by parishes, not only here in Omaha, but around the country who find us on YouTube and want to do this in their dioceses and their parishes, wherever. And uh, she and I have been talking about this. And I think it is possible because most of these places already have the facilities to hold classrooms. And so I don't see the difference between the classroom model and the, the, the family faith formation model this way. Since it's only one time a month, that's at least the way we're doing it. You could spread it out across four weeks. You're used to having people in your building four weeks anyway. So you could real, I think no matter how big it is or how small it is, I really do think it's, it's very easily done. Do you think and you Jackie get- would be the first to tell you that it's even less work because you don't have to prepare four lessons a month. You have to prepare one lesson a month. Mm-hmm. Do you think it would work? Do you think you could get buy-in from Catholic school parents? Yeah, that's the tough one because this is where Catholic schools need to change. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's not nice. You can't say that. I, Fundamentally, I think what needs to happen is because in our faith formation program, we've separated out preparation for reception of the sacraments. So if you are first reconciliation, first communion or confirmation, you're in a whole nother track. Mm -hmm. So there's faith formation going on over here. And when you're ready to begin sacramental preparation, then there are these additional nights that you come and do sacramental prep apart, but alongside family faith formation. If I had a Catholic school in the parish, my vision would be the Catholic school is a great place 
to create that Catholic environment and to teach the catechesis or the, the theology class. But in terms of preparation for sacraments and in terms of preparation for the faith life, I think the parents need to be more involved. I would move sacramental prep out of Catholic schools entirely. I'm not sure that even the church ever intended them that to be there. Uh, it, it really is, it's supposed to be a parish pastor thing, not a school principal thing. And so I, I think it could work, but you would have to uh, make a clear distinction between what's happening in each entity. You're not ready to take on that on uh, to <laughs> Catholic yeah. school anytime soon. I mean, this, this could job. be a whole nother show, but I... I think you would be surprised how many principals and Catholic school teachers who would say, maybe a little sheepishly, but would say, amen. I, I actually, this, this doesn't feel like it's what I'm supposed to be doing. Not all would, would say that, but maybe that's another show. We'll get back together and talk about that. I, I just want to jump in. Father, you said something about that when a child and a family is ready for the sacrament, that then they move into that. How I don't know how to phrase this. Like, how many of your first communicants uh, are magically ready when they turn seven years old, or how much variability are you right. finding uh, that people are ready perhaps earlier or later? Just w what does that look like, Jim? One of the things that we did, and this was kind of the big light bulb moment for a lot of people. I would say most pastors and most DREs have no idea what the church asks of people for the reception of the sacraments. So I sat down with my code of canon law and my archdiocesan policy book. And I, what, what are the hoops without adding or detracting anything? What are the bare minimums? And those are the standards we use at St. Charles. And so what we put out there is first reconciliation. Once you reach the age of seven, you can begin preparation for reconciliation. And these are the things that we, we would be looking for as markers of readiness for that sacrament. The same thing with First Eucharist, the same thing for confirmation. And so we actually offer preparation for the sacraments in the fall, in the spring, and during the summer. So people can hop on at one of those times, and it's a concentrated six-night, 90-minute uh, sessions on just the catechesis and experience of the sacramental prep. There's a retreat that comes at the end of it. And then we've got first communions, first reconciliations and confirmations in the fall, in the spring and during the summer. That's, uh, yeah. So <laughs> that's you know, crazy. Like a, a two year <laughs> confirmation program. Have you ever been part of those? Like I find those are <laughs> hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and one of the conversations I had with the archbishop was, you know, I, I talked to the Archbishop about the program and I said, you know, Archbishop, the way our family faith formation works is we're seeing a whole lot of fruit with the kids and their parents together. I would really, really, the, the law seems to point to confirming someone when it is most opportune. For us, it is most opportune to confirm these kids before they leave faith formation with their parents. So can I please prepare kids for confirmation in fifth and sixth grade before we send them into youth group. And he was okay with letting us do that. And he said, I'm fine with letting you do that so long as you have the plan for what is the next step and how do you engage them in youth ministry and how do you engage them in the high school program. And so we've just found that preparation for confirmation has blossomed again because the parents are involved, 
with the kids in the program. And I, we confirmed our first elementary school kids this past couple weeks ago on Pentecost. And it was fantastic. You know, just to jump in there with those sacrament classes. So the six classes that they come together, half of them, the parents are in their own session, getting a little bit of more adult catechesis based on those sacraments. And half the time they're in with their kids. When we had our first class just this last spring for the fifth and sixth graders, so I had those sessions worked out for the parents to be in their own group. And <laughs> the very first class, the kids were like, how come my parent isn't in with me? And the parents were like, I really want to be in with my kids. And so I just kind of scrapped the parent session, had the parents join the kids. But it was just neat that they had seen, just because of their experience in family formation, it was just something that they, they craved. It was having mom or dad there with them. And so that's where we're going with that direction. But, yeah. Now, now, this could be a whole nother, again, a whole nother show, but are you seeing a big drop off, right? Because that's the typical MO. We keep them coming to get confirmed. And then as soon as they're confirmed, 90% of them or more disappear. Are you guys seeing that? How's the retention and the participation in the youth group? We saw that definitely in the old program. I don't know that we've had this alive long enough to be able to tell you how it's affecting the youth group yet. Because our youth group has been transitioning as well with a new youth minister. So I think that might be another couple years out to really see and know what that's going to look like. All right. We'll, we'll, get that, we'll get that on your calendar at the end of the show. <laughs> You know, I do want to mention, though, uh, we did confirm, like I said, the fifth and sixth graders as well. And when I look at those fifth graders that we confirmed, every single one of them is signed up for family faith formation again. So uh, they are obviously not dropping off yet. Mm -hmm. Wow. Voluntarily. Yeah, right, right. And during this COVID period, I assume this has all continued virtually, yeah. right? Through Zoom and it went so easy. I, through Relco, I've talked to a bunch of the other DREs, and they were having to scramble. How do we do this? And each catechist was having their own Zoom session, and this doesn't make a lot. You know, it was just a lot of work. They were very frazzled, and I'm like, well, the parents have their lessons already, and yeah. so the the mentors just created a Zoom session, and they all just basically did class when they normally would. They just did it virtually, so it was. It, it was very easy <laughs> for so me it's to even do. Scalable digitally as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Very do you, have any, you have any final comments, Father Lowski? I guess, as I, I mentioned before, this I have seen, this has been so good in terms of transformation that to see when we step back and really ask, what are we doing as pastors, as people, as faithful disciples? What are we doing and how do we do it best? Um, this program focuses less on the program and more on life. And I think if we all just kind of take that as our, our marching orders, when I meet with the parents, I, I, I stress to them that for us here, faith formation is first of all, practice your faith. Go to mass, go to confession, be involved in active charity. There's number one. Number two, be a part of a family faith formation group. That's the second level of faith formation. Practice first, then learn about it and live it with others. And then third, prepare for sacraments when you're ready for them. And so it, it really does. And I told people, so I'm going to be tracking your mass attendance. I, I want to see your stewardship envelopes. I want to see the, the kids at mass, because if you're not there, that tells me you're not ready to receive sacraments. 
And so I have a more intimate relationship with the parents and the kids because I see them. I, I'm not uh, introducing people to the archbishop that I don't know who you are because you've never been to Sunday mass. So once you just start, when you think about faith formation is not the content of a book, but the content of how you're living your faith life, it changes everything. Yeah, and it's creating expectations early on as a father. Any good father would just create those expectations for your family right. as, as you move forward. And then, yeah, you're always going to get those people who are like, rah, rah, rah. Yeah. Um, but, but Father Mallon just would say, would agree with you, like, okay, we lost a lot of people, but the people we, who, who stuck around, they are, they're reproducing themselves. They're attracting more families, and we're going to get bigger and larger, and people are growing their faith like we could never imagine um, because we didn't sort of like lower the standards. We, we, yeah, so I just, again, ditto everything. Jackie, you have any final comments? You know, as you were saying that, I just it dawned on me too that we hadn't mentioned that we've had a number of the homeschooling families come in and join us just because they'd been teaching religion at home and this is the model that they liked. And so to have them come in, it's been such a, just a blessing to have them be able to share their experiences with the other families. So yeah, and we've had a number of families come from other parishes that wanted something like this. So it's, it's been great. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thanks for being with us. This is so awesome. I just love that this is happening here in our archdiocese. And I love that you're willing to share your story. And uh, I know you're happy to take some parishioners from some other parishes, but, uh, (laughs) but we would love for them to stay in their own place and and to get those, those parishes uh, moving forward as well. So we'll do everything we can to, to assist you in that for sure. Um, it doesn't have to look exactly like what Jackie and Father Lowski put together, but just thinking about how can we get parents involved in this formation of, of faith in, in their lives. I just want to, again, just say like the gospel still works, folks. I mean, mm-hmm. shut off the news. You might think, you know, if they're going to tear down statues and it feels like the world's kind of crumbling. Just share the good news and it really, it is contagious and, and people fall in love with Jesus because he's in love with us and it still works, I promise. And so thank you for your guys' leadership and inspiring us to not give up. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much, guys. Welcome. God bless you all. And next week, we're going to be uh, talking about my transition uh, as a pastor. So the things I'm dealing with as I move into a new job, a new assignment, two new parishes, how I'm preparing for that, the things I'm listening for, and the things I, I need to do as I move into something new. So everybody has to do something new at some time in their lives priests certainly we have to change we have to do this over and over again i think we get better at it every time we get a new assignment uh so i'm i want to share a little bit of my insights about that in next week's uh, podcast so join us next week for the equipcast god bless you all